when they arrive, they'll make their way to the Victoria Concert Hall and Theatre and search for Alan Wu. Alan Wu? Host of The Amazing Race Asia. Ready, set, go! Welcome to the seventh wonderful episode of your team number, the Amazing Race Asia podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is our Canadian undercover fish genius, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. After wound to you two. So, JK and Michael want another leg. Somehow. Somehow, some way. I feel really bad because I found out they've been talking about us. Just as we talk about them, they've been talking about us. <laughs> I've heard that radio hosts have a tendency to do that. Yeah, apparently a few weeks ago they talked about us being so mean. <laughs> we are the Amazing Race Comedy Central roast of the community. I think at the end of the season we should probably arrange a Comedy Central roast of Alan Wu. Yes. Which actually may be not a terrible idea because there is some hilarity that could come from that. We'll get like Justin Bieber, uh, Snoop Dogg... Um... Greg Geraldo, um, you know, all the great comedians. Surely it wouldn't be Snoop Dogg, it'd be Whoop Dogg. Yeah, I try to I try to modify that as uh, Snoop. No, it'd be Whoop. Yeah. Go for the obvious one. Soup Dogg. That just sounds like a Pokemon. But yeah, I think we should try and arrange it with all the Amazing Race Asia teams to do an, an Alan Wu roast. I'm sure he'd be up for that. Yeah, I think so. I, he'd, he'd be the man of the hour. Yeah, and then he would spend all of his time being horrible about us, which is apparently what Amazing Race Asia people do now. Yeah, I guess what goes around comes around. But we're on our high horses here. We're not allowed to be criticised for anything. No, that, that is true. We are immune from that. I have diplomatic immunity, remember? Yes. Dang you, British and the Queen. I'm personally appointed as an ambassador. I uh, I have diplomatic immunity. No chucking me in Changi, I'm afraid. You won't have to draw rocks, is what you're saying. No, I, I won't have to hand over my legacy advantage to anyone. All right. Now we've got all the pop culture jokes out of the system. Previously, seven teams raced to Manila, Philippines. After Lisa and Nicole were cruelly eliminated once again by the salvage pass, six teams continued by helping to prepare Filipino families for the next natural disaster. The two Philippines teams pulled ahead and were the first on the train to Vegan. At the roadblock, teams soared, but it was a detour choice of karaoke or sausage making that saw Louisa and Treasury fall behind for the first time in the race, and they were only saved by Tom and Anita never catching up and being eliminated. Quack, quack, quack. And this week we also learned that apparently Mike has suspected dengue fever, which is nothing to be shaken at. It's pretty serious. What type of fever? Dengue. Dengue, like as in Deneng, or...? As in Deng Grain from uh, from Survivor Philippines. Oh. JK pronounced it on the radio as Dengue, but it's Deng. Deng fever. And what is this fever exactly? It's unpleasant, is the best way to describe it. 
I'm <laughs> this is like Montezuma's Revenge type of stuff. No, de- dengue fever is a disease that's um, it's a mosquito-borne tropical disease, and it may include high fever, headache, vomiting, muscle and joint pains, and a characteristic skin rash. So it has nothing to do with Da Nang, Vietnam. No. Damn it. Or dang it, I should say. Yeah, dang it. And teams must now fly to Singapore and find, obviously, Resorts World Sentosa to find their next clue. You can't have a Singapore leg without a Sentosa visit, and I'm sure Wu popped into the Wave House while he was there. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like right next door to his house, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that was a condition of Wu coming back for the fifth season of Amazing Race Asia, was that they had to visit Sentosa Wave House. Mm-hmm. It's too bad they couldn't film hanging out in there at all. There should have been a nice but cute challenge roadblock there. Who's feeling chilly? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and it would have been another charitable task for the second week in a row, too. It would have been a neat pattern. He would have been able to do another AOS Ice Bucket Challenge. Exactly. Damn it, guys. Get some charity on here. And we get our first little uh, fiscal comedy portion of the episode when they land in Singapore and Yvonne closes the trunk on Chloe's head. She does indeed. Are you sure it's that way around, though? Chloe is... the Yes. Yes, that was Chloe who hit her head on the trunk. It was. I'm proud of you for finally knowing who is Yvonne and who is Chloe. Just a weight lifted off my shoulders. We should have a board in the uh, in the podcasting studio of weeks in slogan confused Asian people. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm going to Europe and Morocco and Cuba and not Asia whatsoever. Exactly. That, that's time because uh, evidently there's a Singapore visit in our future, given that we now have an open invitation. Yes. Free lodging, hopefully. Just... <laughs> you did see that, didn't you? That JK said, next time you're in uh, in this part of the world, hit me up. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be such a bizarre meetup. <laughs> Us with JK. Or me with JK. You'd just be doing JK impressions. Yeah, everyone would confuse their voices. It's like, not let alone me confusing other people in Asia. There would be people like, oh, it's like the blind Asians who wouldn't be able to, be able to hear uh, me and JK apart. In fact, JK, I know you'll be listening to this, so your mission is to do a Logan impression. I want to hear an impression of you doing Logan. It would pre- he would have to grow a man bun, and, and the man bun would have to rustle on the audio. I want to hear JK doing a Logan impression. That would just be wonderful. Oh, and I don't even know what rap, song, what rap parody he would do of me. He doesn't even have to do it on the radio. He could just send us the MP3, because that shit would be hilarious. <laughs> I would prefer he would do it on the radio. I would love it if he just randomly parodied some guy in Western Canada and just confused the hell out of his listeners. Yeah, if he does it on the radio, though, I can't actually record it. Whereas if he sends it us, I can. He could do it both. He could have, like, an on-air version and then, like, the unedited producer's cut version. The unedited sweary version. Yes. <laughs> the too hot for radio version. Where it just impersonates you dropping (laughs) F-bombs. Yes. And once teams get to Resort World Sentosa, they have to head through the casino and find their clue outside the SEA Aquarium. And, shockingly, people work out that there might be an underwater task. What a a shocker, really. Almost as shocking as the electric eels in the Oceanarium. And as it happens, it is a roadblock, which is who's ready for an underwater stroll? Not Kevin Costner. And in this roadblock, one team member must dive into the massive aquarium 
and find a chest that contains cards with fish that are in the aquarium on them. Then they have to swim over to the window and show the card to their partner, who will then have to identify the fish from the name to receive their next clue. And they only get three attempts before they go to the back of the queue. Which isn't a very long queue, since two out of five teams look like they can go at a time. And it is uh, Yvonne, Mike, Louisa, Maggie, and Eric doing this roadblock. You know what's neat about this season is that I think that it's there's that degree of self-awareness that there's been already so many seasons of The Amazing Race that they're essentially remixing classic tasks by being forced to add another uh, layer onto it, as opposed to, say, the American version where they'll make the task as minimal as possible no matter how many seasons or how many times they repeat the same task. But here with this season of Amazing Race Asia, this is the second week in a row where it could have just been a grab this clue amongst the dangerous animals, but instead they add that layer of, oh, by the way, you have to match the animal to the name on the card. And I believe this is the first international Singapore leg where they haven't done the uh, the tightrope between the uh, the buildings. Oh, on the by the Marina... Marina Bay Sands. Marina Bay Sands. I was about to say Marina Del Rey, but I'm like, wait a second, that's the name of the city in Southern California. Yes, it is. Also where Lana Del Rey's from. She's named after it. No, Marina Del Rey is named after Lana Del Rey. Oh, right. That makes sense. Come on. And also, if you looked closely in the aquarium, you could see Tara Basro hanging out with her feet in concrete blocks after she crossed the Singaporean Mafia. Oh, yeah, she's right. Uh, she was uh, hovering around the unicorn fish. Yeah, she, she was swimming with the fishes. Hey, that was my pun. Alan Wu didn't even make that pun. I know it was your pun, and I stole it. I wish I could say I was sorry, but I'm not. Pun thief. Um, anyways, so, yeah. Um, Yvonne and Chloe, uh, they get a... They get unicorn fish, which would be really... I think you'd know what you were looking for, as opposed to, I don't know, the harlequin file fish? I would have probably got the harlequin fish. I don't... I wouldn't have. I mean, I haven't played that much Animal Crossing lately to know all the different types of... Uh, fish species if it was like right after one of my binges right after playing the gamecube version or the wii version of animal crossing then yeah i would have a i would do pretty good at this task but i haven't really played animal crossing in the past few years so i i I would have struggled well the reason it's named the harlequin fish genuinely is because it looks like a harlequin so you're looking for a sort of diamond multicolored pattern I thought it was because it would have been shaped like a basketball because it played with the Har- Harla- Harlem Globetrotters. Now, it's also named after um, the DC character Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn? Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Oh, not again. It's all right, you owe me a Tim Hortons. I guess we're even. Um, so, there's a lot of people that were trapped behind those uh, behind the fence there, eh? They couldn't cross that invisible line. I was surprised they were able to walk up that many people in such a confined space above the paintings. Well, it is Singapore. You can get locked up for chewing gum. Yes. That should have been a task. They should have had to chew gum and ride the skateboard at the same time. Now, what they should have had to do is take the subway and uh, carry a pair of Durians with them. Or, like, you know in Big Brother, they've had... You know in Big Brother Canada, they've had they had that bubblegum task where you had to chew pieces of bubblegum, then put it onto... Uh, onto the wall and you had to get so many pieces on there to stick together 
they should have done that here in Singapore and just see how many sticks of gum you can get onto the wall before you get arrested. Do you genuinely know why uh, Singapore banned chewing gum? Because it's messy and, and they want to keep the streets clean. Or they have something against the, the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley Field. One of the two. It's even better than that. It's because someone foolishly chewed gum and stuck it between two doors of a, uh, a subway station and the doors wouldn't open. So this person was caught and charged with vandalism and they banned chewing gum in Singapore because of it. Wow. That's genuinely the real answer. I, I didn't know that. I've been there. <laughs> this is the sort of thing that me and my brother talked about last year. Huh. But it's, it's genuinely true, that's why. And it turns out Treasury is not an undercover fish genius. No, she's not. She's not your typical undercover fish genius, as Yvonne and Chloe would say. In fact, she does the worst on this task. What's with Louise and Treasury the past two rounds? They're just they're just slipping like uh, the Steve Miller band. But we also got the continuation of one of my favourite subplots of the season, which is Eric is afraid of all marine life. <laughs> yes. Which, what amazes me about this is that, you know, he, he, growing up between Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, and the Philippines, all island countries, and he freaks out over marine life. To be fair, it is pretty logical to be afraid of any animal in Australia, given that it will probably be able to kill you. Yes, but this is just marine life with him. He's probably been in a boxing match with the kangaroo. It's a rite of passage in Australia. Probably was named Joey. To pass from uh, from boyhood to manhood, you do have to get into a bare-knuckle fight with a kangaroo. Although those domestic abuse cases with Kanga and Roo from Winnie the Pooh gets really awkward after a while. There was a restraining order involved. Yes. Or as we like to say, Kangawoo. You did get a, a birthday message last year from a Kangawoo. <laughs> Still one of my favourites, uh... Favourite pictures I think I've ever seen of a Tahoe set. I'm still uh, not 100% why, but whatever. So yeah, there's not a lot else to this task, really. No, just other than, uh, for some reason, uh, with, what is it, Maggie, when she finds, when she brings out the lionfish sign, how she said she would disown parole if she couldn't identify a lionfish. And I was thinking, that's a really random reason for choosing to uh, disown somebody. Like, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't identify a lionfish. You're just the dumbest person ever. Why are you guys not friends on the race anymore? She wasn't able to identify a lionfish. Yeah, like, it'd be different if, like, let's say, you know, Auntie uh, Perule wouldn't uh, play with Maggie's son at all or help him with identifying fish or something like that, eh? But... Her not being able to identify a lionfish on a reality show? That's, that reasoning is just stupid. I would be so disappointed in you if you couldn't identify a lionfish. Yeah, like, would I just be thrown out onto the streets of, the, of, of Manila if uh, I were not, unable to do so? Oh, 100%. Or sentenced to being vegan? Yeah, you would be sentenced to being vegan. Actually, not in my house, no, you wouldn't. The judge for the fish task was kind of hilarious, the way he just would throw up, throw up a an X sign as if he were in a gang. He's part of the Singaporean mafia who put Tara Bazaro's feet in concrete. Yeah, like all you know, they're those that Singaporean mafia. They're really into the rugby racket. 
every rugby game uh, ever is fixed thanks to the mafia there. There was actually a rugby sevens tournament happening when I was in Singapore last year. What did you did you see any of it? Did you see JK there? I didn't because it wasn't. He was too busy watching the women's tournament. I think it just finished when uh, when we actually found out about it. Oh, you were there for the seventh minute in the eleventh hour of play. So we we did just miss the rugby sevens, but uh, yeah, they were they were holding some sort of tournament when we were in Singapore last year. Treasury freaking out during this task was kind of funny, especially with their "Oh, mama" um, repeated uh, uh, frustrations. I think Treasury and Louisa are way more fun when they're in the back of the pack. Yeah, because Treasury always freaks out. Like she'll she'll do that same uh, frustration cry uh, later on in the leg, and. The audio, if you're able to pull the audio, that would be hilarious because I was, I would, I would replayed it a couple of times just because it caught me off guard. So Yvonne and Chloe are the first team to leave. They're in first. They follow nobody anymore. They're done with that. We actually have to see them for once. Yeah, they get airtime. Briefly. And Perul and Maggie build upon their winner's edit even more as, as I mentioned earlier, um, Maggie's son is mentioned, and and Auntie Perule's connection to Maggie's son is re-emphasized. Yeah. There's no discussion. They're winning. I would be shocked, because this has been going all the way back to week one, and nobody is even remotely close to the edit that Perule and Maggie have gotten since the start of the season. The real question is who's coming in second, and I still think Eric and Rona. Yeah, Eric and Rona, and then third is likely to be JK and Mike. Do you not think it'd be funnier if it's Louisa and Treasury, though? Uh, well, I mean, they've already choked a couple of times. It'd be different if they won these two legs as well. We're riding a five-leg winning streak heading into the final three uh, Indonesia rounds. So it's not that hilarious anymore. In fact, their average is above 2.0. So they're getting closer to being level with the other teams. They are still quite a way ahead. But not by a huge margin anymore. No. Louisa and Treasury is still more than a whole point ahead of anyone else. Okay, that's still there. Yeah, that's still, that's a that's a pretty big lead. In total, they're eight points ahead. And why is J.K. talking about some guy's uncle, about the taxi driver's uncle? Where did that come from? It is something I noticed when I was in Singapore. Everyone calls each other uncle. Uncle Pennybags? Maybe maybe Uncle Pennybags from the board game Monopoly is Singaporean. Rich Uncle Pennybags probably owns the Marina Bay Sands Hotel. I love that uh, Eric and Eric, after <laughs> his flipper kept falling off, after that, the, you, you know it's going to be a bad leg when the name of the fish you draw from the box is the sawfish. Where's Tobin Bell? Hello, Eric and Rona. I want to play a game. <laughs> I just lost the game, by the way. God damn it, Logan. <laughs> you Aren't prick. I just the worst? Yes, you are. I don't actually understand why I'm friends with you. Oh, wait, it's because you get me Tim Hortons. And uh, Treasury uh, compares sharks. She does. I wish there was, like, card sharks and then, like, uh, <laughs> or one of the fish should have been David Devilfish Oliot. And he and <laughs> it's just him with his stupid sunglasses next to all the fish in the uh, oceanarium. But above everything else, you have to remember, fish are food, not friends. Oh, devilfish has been dead for like five years, I think. 
Man, do, do, do you even know who Devilfish is? Is he like a revered figure in England? Not a clue. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, he's a famous poker player. He, used to, he was considered Britain's one of Britain's best poker players of all time. He's a poker player. A poker player. And he would do like stupid eyebrow raises and he would wear these silly sunglasses and he used to always dress in uh, all black. He didn't attend any rugby games with Eric though to see the all blacks. So... Once teams complete the roadblock, they have to find the skyline promenade where they have to search for their next clue using a pair of binoculars. And there's really nothing else to discuss with the fish task. No, Louisa and Treasury get a lot of rejections. And Ronan and Eric are last, and hopefully Eric's shoe doesn't fall off as much as his flipper did uh, during this round. And JK only knows Nemo, Sebastian, and Dory. Which is a lie, because he got it right on the first try. He's obviously been paying a lot more attention to the Finding Nemo series than he's let on. Yeah, he just rewatches it repeatedly. You could say that he just wanted to be part of their world. Little mermaid joke. Yes. Under the sea, everything is better where it is wetter. Although, I don't want to associate anything being wetter with uh, knowing what JK is usually up to. Well, by the look of things, it wasn't wetter for JK, it was sweater. Because he was very sweaty in that cab. Well, that's Singapore, you know, the humidity. Yeah, but he lives there, he should be used to it. Maybe you never get used to that kind of humidity. Well, a cold day in Singapore is somewhere around 29 degrees Celsius, and a warm day in Singapore is somewhere around 33 degrees Celsius. So, Ron and Chloe and JK might uh, come up with the brilliant strategy to uh, each share a binocular. And uh, JK might get into another one of their arguments where... JK, where they fight over the colours orange and red. Yeah, I would have had no chance at that task. <laughs> you would have had to rely entirely on me. At least they weren't like a Brandon from Amazing Race 5 and actually remember to have both sides of the binocular uh, open as opposed to one being completely closed. Yeah, I'm allowed to make the cool blindness jokes, no one else is. That's how it works. Yeah, only you may joke. And um, Eric and Rona get a rejection, as do Treasury and Louisa. And then Eric and Rona get a second rejection. Treasury and Louisa leave it in fourth. And Eric and Rona leave in last. And Eric and Rona have an unfair advantage, because they have three members to their team. There's Eric, Rona, and the Lord. Yeah, it's a bit of a handicap match. Exactly, it's so unfair. How can they get non-eliminated when they have a third member? I don't know. Some things in life just... Just don't, just don't go uh, everyone else's way. It's almost as unfair as Lisa and Nicole being brought back every single week and then getting eliminated because of the salvage pass. Well, that's because they live in a communist country, Michael. I mean, I mean, Fidel Castro just died for a reason. Stop dating the podcast. <laughs> and then uh, Perul and Maggie uh, mess up the grab app. They almost pull in Al Brandon and Alpheus. Almost, but... Theirs isn't nearly as dangerous because Singapore's quite small. Yeah, it's not like Malaysia where you could end up being on the other side of the country (laughs) or the other, you know, 300 islands away. I think me and Mark managed to do the entirety of Singapore basically apart from Sentosa in three days of being there. Whereas Hong Kong, we barely scratched the surface. Not to say that I wouldn't want to go back to Singapore. But you can do it in a fairly short amount of time. Yeah, it's quite compact. Yeah, it's it's just slightly smaller than Canada. Yeah, and it's got very good public transport in Singapore, so it's very easy to get to places. 
unless it's a moving boat, then it gets a bit tough. <laughs> True, but we will get to that because I love that pit stop. And uh, let's see. I'm surprised that Standard Charter did not get in on sponsoring the the flag. So they used to be a, they used to be a prominent sponsor in the earlier seasons of Amazing Race Asia. I'm surprised if they dropped out that they didn't even bleep out Standard Charter being mentioned. Yeah, they just let they just let the let them get name dropped repeatedly for old times' sake. It's an Amazing Race Asia swear word. Yeah, it's like saying Caltex. We don't mention them anymore. Or Sony Cybercam or the Sony Handycam, which I hear JK makes great use of. I do like that when we did our fake Amazing Race Canada podcast, we jokingly said that teams won uh, a Sony Handycam each, and we didn't even know that Amazing Race Asia was coming back. We were ahead of our time, Michael. We were ahead of the curve. We're like Jeff Probst was inventing the blue collar, white collar, and no collar. So... The flag is hanging off the OUE building. Yes. And uh, Yvonne and Chloe hog the binoculars, but then work together with JK and Mike to find it. It's only really working together because JK and Mike did all found it themselves. True. But they do know Singapore. Yes. They knew where to look. And I love that the info sign at the lookout was basically just duct tapes on. Yeah. <laughs> Budget cuts. It's like having this. It's like the speed bump clue at the start of the leg, rather than an actual speed bump board. Save money wherever you can. That's just because if there's a backlash to speed bumps, they can label it as literally anything else. It's why only one host instead of both hosts gets to travel around for the majority of the season. That's the point. We have to endure Tara Basro next week, don't we? Yeah. What do you imagine? How shocked she's going to be seeing who's left in the race? Like, is she going to be like, "What the hell are J.K. and Mike still doing here"? Wu had to make a detail to chisel her feet out of the uh, the concrete blocks. Are you saying that she was just like frozen for the past five weeks and they've been like wheeling her around? No, she crossed the Singaporean mafia and had her feet set in concrete and put into the big aquarium tank. Oh yes, that's where she was this week. Pay attention, Logan. Tara Bazo goes on so many adventures that we never get to see. I'm disappointed that that is our last lie about where Tara Bazo is hiding. Mm-hmm. And another sassy sister was at the pit stop this week as a greeter. She was. That which I believe raises it up to six sassy sisters of Tara Basro that have taken her spot while she's been kidnapped, uh, uh, trafficked, and thrown to the bottom of the oceanarium. Kidnapped by Malaysian pirates, trapped at the bottom of an oceanarium, um, trapped in the Bante Bell Tower awaiting her Prince Charming to come, Tarapunzel, Tarapunzel, lay down your hair. Uh, with her cousin Aung San Suu Kyi. Um, and what was the other one? There's one more. An Undal Undal. Oh yeah, she was uh, She was an und- kidnapped by the Undal Undals, wasn't she? <laughs> so yeah, Tara's crazy adventures, which are hopefully going to be a an online-only video next week. What has she been up to? We'll, we'll never know. She's probably been hanging, in fact, Lisa and Nicole, after seven episodes, have had more airtime than Tara Basro, and that is no exaggeration. I love how we are only slightly exaggerating Lisa and Nicole's impacts on the season. Only slightly. And then we see Eric and Rona not spotting the correct flag. They spot it on a different building, and I don't even know how they were able to crack the case that they were supposed to go to the top of the OUE building. I think they were very lucky... But also, Singapore is quite small. But there's so many floors to the to those skyscrapers around them. Like, how, would they just jump out at each individual floor? You forget that they brought a binocular with them as well. 
So they were probably walking down that strip of buildings, which arguably is probably about half a mile long, and just looking up and seeing if they could see a flag. Because there was probably no requirement in the clue to say you had to stay at the lookout and look. But still, that's still a lot of ground they could have potentially covered. I know that that they probably did finish way behind, but, you know, some teams would have just quit in that task or, you know, or be eliminate or have Alan come to them and eliminate them. So that still could have been a lot of distance. Yeah. How would you have been able to quit that task? That's the thing. It's, It's not the sort of task that you can really quit. Well, yeah, it's not like you, they, they, not like a producer could nudge you and tell you exactly where to go. You'd, you'd have to have somehow obtain it in Clue form, and unfortunately that's not possible. And that was a nice restaurant where the Clue was. It was. I'm not sure entirely what the point of the food was there. It was very, very decorative. It was all about presentation. Unless it was an Israel-style take-a-half-hour-break-from-the-race-and-eat task. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and it would have been the best food that Louise and Treasury have had since they flew with Garuda, Indonesia. Dare I say it, it might have even been better. Oh my god. We can't badmouth the sponsors on this podcast, Michael. They're not our sponsors. But they're they're, they're, they're sponsors. If Grab or uh, Garuda Indonesia want to sponsor us or maybe fly us to interesting places, I'm not going to turn them down. But, you know, they've actually got to approach us. They could fly us to Barcelona. They can fly us to Singapore. We've got friends there now. That would be not a bad strategy. Just just keep repeatedly um, sucking kneecaps of the various uh, of the, like various travel agencies and stuff just to see if we get free travel out of it. I'm sure someone in production is listening to this and making a note that for Amazing Race Asia 6, maybe take us along for one of the legs. See how we would do. We, we will sell out. We will sell out. Oh, 100%. I don't care. We will be the Black Eyed Peas of the Amazing Race Asia. Fly us to, uh, to do the uh, the online stuff for you next next season. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Logan and Michael's uh, point of view. We get to do the tasks along with Alan Wu, except the Vietnamese food eating task. We 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 won't be doing that. No, we won't. You're right. We would be using our Wooks Press Pass for that. Yes. And I guess it's time to get to the detour. So teams have to find the Singapore Turf Club and search for the next clue. And Prul and Maggie end up losing Treasury and Louisa, who are trying to piggyback off them. Thanks to the driving skills of Mimi. Mimi, who was constantly mentioned, but never seen on screen. Unlike Jake, JK, and Mike's uncle. Which I think should have violated the rules if their uncle is driving them around. She's like Tim Allen's neighbour on uh, Home Improvement. Wilson? Yeah. Her last name is Wilson. Maggie Wilson. <gasps> Conspiracy. Yes. Howdy, neighbor. So, at the Turf Club, it's a detour, which is Skate Rat or Drone Hat. And in Skate Rat, one team member must ride a skateboard while carrying two plates of tin cans around, of course, with their partner controlling the forward and backward movement. Uh, Once the team complete the course, they receive their next clue. And in Drone Hat, one team member must fly a drone onto a platform on their partner's helmet from 10 metres away. And if the drone lands, they receive the next clue. And which one would you have picked? Um, that's. I think I would have done well with both tasks, actually. I think I would have chosen drone hat, though. I think because I'm really, cause I'm really used to a controller. Drone hat was a cooler one. Isn't that the fast forward from Amazing Race Twenty that uh, Art and JJ did? Yes, it was the helicopter on top of the um, the building in Turin. Ah, 
But yeah, I think Drone Hat is cooler, but with me, you would have a much higher target, bear in mind. Which would could have made things easier. There would have been less way to choke when uh, you're trying to get the drone to land back down. But yeah, I think as a Canadian, given that skateboards are a modern creation, you probably should have looked at the skateboard task, but yeah, drone was cooler. I would have been able to uh, experience my inner Bart Simpson. Or, you know, I would have been making so many chameleon air references. I think you'll find you would have had to channel your inner Laura and Jackie. Hashtag skateboarding lesbians. Skateboarding lesbians. I completely forgot about them. I think even Amazing Race Canada forgot about Laura and Jackie. In fact, I think even Laura and Jackie forgot about Laura and Jackie. How can you forget about People's Princesses Laura and Jackie? They were such a massive part of Season 2 of Amazing Race Canada. And were definitely not ignored by James Duthie at the Amazing Race Canada reunion shows. Well, screw James Duthie. No one cares about him anyway. And that's why he wasn't back for Season 4. I thought you'd just put in a petition to stop him being returned. Yeah, it was a change.org petition. You know, James Duthie, you know, horrible sportscaster for TSN, who somehow got the Amazing Race Canada gig for Seasons 2 and 3. And... He was like, what would happen if Gino and Jesse got to host uh, Amazing Race Canada? I mean, I wonder why Amazing Race Canada has never really been enamoured by us when we speak so highly of James Duthie and don't at all call the Shrill Harpies the social Shrill Harpies. At least the Harpies did better with the Season 4 reunion, though, than James Duthie did with Seasons 2 and 3. The Harpies improved upon their Season 1 performance. I was pleasantly surprised with how good the Shrill Harpies of the Social were on Season 4. Because they asked a lot of the right questions. Yeah, they weren't atrocious. They didn't make me want to punch James Duffy in the face. They were not terrible, which is all we can ask for now. Um, so yeah, so JK uh, takes a stab at the drone task at first, and there is a lot of swearing. And I'm surprised he didn't hit the drone in... It's actually a good thing Mike wore those goggles, because I'm sure that drone would have hit Mike in the eye. Almost certainly. And whilst JK does love hitting Mike in the eye, maybe that's why they put the protective goggles, because no one else had them. Yeah, everyone else was brave. Well, everyone else didn't have JK as their partner. And you've also got to bear in mind that Mike does say that he loves his face. (laughs) Even with the skin rash from the dang fever? Even with, with the skin rash from the dang rain fever, yes. And Yvonne and Chloe, you know, they were on those skateboards. They they gave it a good shot. They certainly did. They channeled their inner Canadian. Yeah. But it wasn't enough to beat J.K. and Mike, who left Drone in first. For shame. Yvonne and Chloe really want another first place finish, but it just isn't happening. Not happening, kids. Not happening. Even though we saw her rolling, and they were hating. We saw them riding day. So, teams must now make their way to one of three places, either the Esplanade Jetty, the Merlion Park Jetty, or the Marina Bayfront South Jetty, and board the boat that will serve as their next pit stop. The last team to board the boat may be eliminated. Alan Wu plays the role of Magic Koopa with this pit stop. He goes from one place, then the other, then the other. You never know where he's going to be. He's Magic Whooper. Magic Whooper. Where's his magic wound? (laughs) And, to top it all off, I have been to all three of those places, and I believe I've had photos at at least two of them. You've been to all the jetties. You've been to, you know, the best jetties. Because the Merlion Park jetty is, as the name suggests, 
the sight of a massive merlion. Is that the cigar-smoking merlion in dedication to Fidel Castro? It actually is. Um, I believe that's the one that we took the picture of my brother badly pushing as well. In a Harmstone family tradition, anytime we see something that would be slightly inappropriate to take a picture of badly pushing, we do. Badly pushing? Yeah, you know, you know when you see those pictures of tourists pushing like the Leaning Tower of Pisa or whatever? Oh, oh, I see. We do that, but we deliberately take it slightly off, so it's terribly done. Oh, so like you go to Auschwitz and places like that and do the pushing No, it, it's not really inappropriate ones. It's like we had Mark push the, the merlion, but I deliberately moved around so there was a massive gap in between him and the merlion. Oh. Just because it is slightly silly to do. I see. And Yvonne and Chloe switch over who is on the skateboard, and then they end up leaving the skate in second because Chloe has much better balance. They were moving slower than Stewie Griffin on a skateboard. They were very careful. I think that is the tactic, though, for the skateboard task. You can't just crank up the speed and give your partner a ride for want of a better zone. <laughs> Not in a Jeff and Jackie way. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, yeah, and Louisa and Treasury. This is where uh, Treasury repeats the maintain position drone, maintain position, maintain position. Did she not know that she has the superpower of controlling drones with her voice? She's undercover fish genius and also undercover undercover drone uh, operator. Everyone wondered when Heroes was on the air what would happen if people had shit superpowers. This is what would happen if people had shit superpowers. I can c- control a drone. In the Eclipse, Treasury was given the power of controlling drones using only her voice. <laughs> and Perul... Oh man, when she tries to start using that drone, or that whole time it was worse than watching my sister play a video game, and the drone went straight up. The drone actually went further away from the task. It was going to be in Kuala Lumpur by the time that task was over. I'm undecided as to what the banner is going to be this week, but I think the current frontrunner is um, Perul and Maggie in a pile after the skateboard task. (laughs) Or that too. (laughs) Maggie's Premature celebration as if she was uh, Miss Columbia in the Miss Universe pageant. Yay, we did it! We won! Oh no! Not quite! <laughs> Perul fell! As if she was the actual loser on Australia's Next Top Model. Please tell me you've seen that clip. No? Oh, a live vote and reveal of the winner of Australia's Next Top Model, probably about five, ten years ago now. She read out the wrong name. Oh, that happened there too. The winner was halfway through making her speech, and then the host went, I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> it's you, Kelsey. Wait a minute. Don't do this to me, Arissa. It's pretty much. It's like the the Topaz moment, but done on live television with the public vote involved. And it's so deliciously awkward. And uh, Treasury and Louisa get very close in Drone before Perul and Maggie do switch to skate. Which was a good decision because I'm not sure if Maggie had that struggle just as much with operating the drone because we didn't really get to see that. But there was no way Perul was going to get it. It went the opposite direction. It, I, I, like, forget Kuala Lumpur, it probably would have been back at her house in the Philippines rather than on uh, Maggie's head uh, 20 feet away. I think it's blatantly obvious that Perul spends more time revising fish with Maggie's son than, than playing, uh, video, than playing games. video games with him, yeah. 
Yeah, they have they they don't play Grand Theft Auto with him. I guess that'd be so inappropriate. A- Anti Perules come over to play some GTA with you. <laughs> and then we get a hint as to that Peg, uh, not Peggy and Perule. Perule and Maggie will be go Peggy. Peggy, you surf. It's super effective. Perule and Maggie will be U-turning Louise and Treasury because we get the subtle hint that Maggie labels uh, Louise and Treasury as their biggest threats. Well, they should be everyone's biggest threats, given that they are still very, very in front. But it's Maggie who says it, and we need we haven't had any more foreshadowing with how the U-turn's going to play out. Surely the U-turn's got to be next leg, really. Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much the season's over. <laughs> well, exactly. We've only got two weeks after that, and it's slightly unfair to do it at Final Four. Uh, um, what's in, let's see. Wow, there's not really much else to talk about with this leg. No, we have a, a bit of Eric and Rona bickering about who's in charge, basically. Yeah, this, but this is even after uh, JK and Mike uh, come in first place. They win their second leg in a row after posting one of the worst averages uh, after the first half of the season. And with them doing that, they now leapfrog Perul and Maggie to have the fourth best average of the season. Really? So everybody else besides Louise and Treasury must be extremely close together in average. Yeah. We have Louise and Treasury at 2.29, then Yvonne and Chloe at 3.43, Eric and Rona 4.29, and then JK and Mike and Perul and Maggie both at 4.57. Yeah, that's pretty dang close. I guess Yvonne and Chloe's ninth place finish from the first leg uh, really threw things off. Yeah, it really did. Uh, So Perul and Maggie get to the end, and then Perul falls, and... Treasury and Louisa leave drone in third, and then JK and Mike bring their Singaporean flag with them to check in first in the pit stop. And Mike finally learns how to have fun. Yes, the way to have fun is to not be around JK. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's how most people have fun, I guess. I could only make these jokes because I've been having conversations with him this week, <laughs> and I know he doesn't take take it personally. No, it's not like uh, other people from. Uh... Semi-recent season. Aaron and Jocelyn. Oh, sorry. Terrible cough. <laughs> and then uh, Eric and Rona. Eric, Eric kind of loses it a little bit. Yeah, he goes a little bit Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And then what is he going to do? And then what is he going to do? And then what is he going to do? No. Nope. This podcast didn't skip at all. Uh, and apparently Peru was cramping... But they end up leaving. <laughs> That's just how you're going to leave it. Fill in the blanks, guys. Perul had cramps. <laughs> um, nobody will be explaining that joke to uh, Maggie's son. Hopefully not. Not for a while. <laughs> and there's these really mean guys. One who's a Brit and one who's from Canada who was talking about, about anti-Perul having cramps. Do you know what that means? Also, here's a picture of a clownfish. Nemo! <laughs> oh, classic. So yeah, they end up leaving Skate in fourth, and we find out that Eric is a computer guy. Yeah, it was like playing, that controller was shaped like an Xbox controller, so it was probably just like playing uh, Call of Duty for him. Or for real people playing Goldeneye. See reflections on the water. Ba-dum-bum-bum. ba da Golden Eye. Hands down, the best Bond theme ever. No, you're not a big Adele fan? I really liked Skyfall, but there's nothing that's ever going to be Golden Eye. 
Well, yeah, because the video game is awesome, too. Well, even the Nicole Scherzwinger version from uh, the GoldenEye Wii Mate was pretty good. It wasn't as good as the original, but it was pretty good. Nicole Scherzinger did a remake of the GoldenEye theme? Yeah, on the GoldenEye Wii Make, Nicole Scherzinger did the the theme of it. And she uh, and it was a cover of the GoldenEye theme, obviously. I had no idea. Yeah. It was actually a decent version. It wasn't terrible, which is all I can ask for. It wasn't like your usual... Like, what, there was no sense of pussycat dullness within the song, is what you're saying. No. Don't you wish your cover was hot like her? Don't you wish your bond was hot like me? <laughs> Daniel Craig apparently trumps Pierce Brosnan. Apparently so. Uh, and Yvonne and Chloe checking in second, with Louisa and Treasury in third. Alan! Alan! Alan, Alan. And uh, Louisa cries because she misses her son. Yep. Lots of lots of children being mentioned in this leg. Even JK mentions uh, his family. Yeah, we, we even had a mention of JK being so close to his wife but not being able to call her because he doesn't want to become the new Anton and Armand. Pretty much. Doesn't want that 24-hour penalty. And let me point out, this is probably the most anyone has ever mentioned Anton and Armand. Have we mentioned them like three or four times this season? I think we have. They only lasted two legs. They're sort of the Sharla and Nabila of Amazing Race Philippines. From one obscure reference to another, uh, Maggie talks about Alan's dimples, and I was wondering, if Alan has dimples, then where's Sunena? Amazing Race Asia 4. Going for the references today. Yeah. Also a team that got U-turned, and yielded. Or, well, they well, they were involved in the U-turn and the yield. I did like that Perul and Maggie thought it would be a good idea to touch up their makeup before visiting Wu, just in case. And then had to run to three different locations because they kept missing it. Yeah, and the humidity probably made their makeup run. And then, uh, see, and then Perul saying the first time she's ever chased a man in her life, and then Alan said he's also never chased a man, except for possibly Joe Rogan. Yeah, I, I love that Alan was just like, yeah, same here. Yeah, he just plays along. You wouldn't get Phil doing this. No, he wouldn't be, he, he wouldn't be making a joke like that, no. Yeah, you, you wouldn't get Phil having a sense of humour. Yeah, Bill. Bill's a fairly serious guy overall. He's not quite like John Montgomery or uh, Alan Wu in that sense. Or Grand Bowler. Yeah, I was thinking about this a few days ago. I think, by default, Phil is probably our least favourite Amazing Race host of the English language seasons, just because he's not as fun. Yeah, like he was dressing his underwear once, and that's been about it for him. Or uh, flexing his muscles to check in another team. We have had a lot of fun with all of the hosts, actually. Except Phil. Why not Phil? Yeah, Phil just ignores our presence. I'm sad. Yeah, Grant Bowler has proven to be a lovely, lovely guy. I'm, I'm still really happy that I got the shout-out for your birthday from him. Yes. Monty's obviously our favourite, or one of them. Mm-hmm. And now we have Wu as well, who's just been wondrous as well. And then, uh, let's see. I'm sure Pavrilla's chased after at least one man. Although, to be fair, women always chase after me, so, you know... Perul and I could very well be in the same boat that way. I just I just had a different jetty. Between you and uh, you and Perul, who would chase after who? Perul would chase after me for sure. I mean, I've got the man button, so I win right there. Are you sure? Oh yeah, definitely. So coming in last is sadly Eric and Rona, our beloved team. And then what happens? And then Wu just strings them along. He recaps their entire journey. Like, he was just filling up airtime in the episode. 
So that's where I get my tendency of of doing the ridiculously long intro on the finales from. Yeah, like it was sundown by the time that Alan finally informed Eric and Rona that it was a non-elimination. Like, in fact, uh, JK and Mike had already departed and were heading back to Indonesia uh, by the time Eric and Rona found out it was a non-elim. And then they were pissed off because they didn't get a chance to eat or sleep because Alan was just having... uh, just having flashbacks to everything Eric and Rona had done throughout the race and just going over their growth as individuals and as a team and as a couple. And it just went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Well, Wu gave them the option to either eat or compete because he is the Jeff Probst of Asia. And soft drinks for Will. I think that is my favourite thing about the season. Every time they offer booze on a reward and it's just like, and the soft drinks for you, Will. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're getting jack shit. You won't be able to taste any of John Montgomery's beer. You have to be over the age of 19 to drink my booze. To drink my golden liquid. Dear God. At least it's not silver or bronze. Oh. Actually, in this case, I do wish it was the silver or bronze. <laughs> Why has this conversation just evolved into Monty doing wet work? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so nobody's eliminated. Um, we're, looks like there's going to be a task so difficult that Eric and Rona's speed bump will essentially be null and void. And newsflash, Eric, Alan actually mentioned the speed bump this time. And now we're heading back to Indonesia to finish off the last three episodes because seeing Indonesia twice at the start of the season was just not quite enough. The world is not at Muna. At least they're actually going to picturesque bits of Indonesia this time. Yeah. Because the last two legs are basically in Bali. Resort areas. Yeah. It's not a terrible place for them to end the season. I would rather they did more Asian countries, but I'm certainly not going to complain when they've done more countries than Amazing Race Canada has. Yeah. So, next round, everyone loses their cool. Yeah. Next time, back to wonderful Indonesia. JK fights with Treasury. Yep, Louis and Treasury are selfish. There's tight ropes and two teams lose it over archery. And there's no mention of a U-turn. There's no mention of a U-turn, but there wasn't last time either. Or the time before that with the yield. No. Or with the fast forwards. Yeah, so they haven't mentioned it. they haven't mentioned any of those twists in the preview at all, so I imagine it's gonna be the same deal with the U-turn. And mathematically, someone will be eliminated. Somebody has to be eliminated over the next two rounds, unless they do a stupid Final Four twist, but I don't think that's going to happen. Neither do I. And who's going to go home? Hmm. I think that it's probably between Yvonne and Chloe and J.K. and Mike. I'm going to go with Louisa and Treasury. If it is a U-turn leg, then maybe Louisa and Treasury get it. But they've also got their U-turn to use, remember? So if they do get it and know there's a team behind them, whoever's behind them is dead. Oh, yeah. In that case, then, yeah, they can stay alive. But I think Louise and Treasury are going to pull a big upset and go home in their own country. And get Wu turned. And get Wu turned. And get Wu turned. In, in wonderful Indonesia. And live up to the tradition of fifth places going out in, uh, in shocking fashion. Formerly being the top, the top average of the season. Yeah, I guess that's about all I have for this leg. It's actually my shortest, least amount of notes for any of the episodes so far. I think it was a a nice but shortish episode. Yeah, I think they really needed both teammates to do the detour. 
is probably my biggest thing. There's not an awful lot to joke about this week. Yeah, when everyone talks about their families, it's kind of off limits, I would say. That's just me. <laughs> I much prefer to talk shit about the people on the screen rather than their families. Yeah, because their families are not characters. The characters are the people we see on the screen. We are not Survivor Oz. We can say that now that now they're defunct. <laughs> yeah. So we have three episodes left of the season, and there is a very real possibility that next week's Amazing Race Asia one could be my 150th podcast. My word. And no sign of season 29 of the American version in sight. So who knows what will happen after these next three weeks. So we might actually get a break. Yeah. You might actually be able to travel Europe in peace without me harassing you. It'd be nice to not have to worry about having a solid Wi-Fi connection in the middle of Spain or in southern Italy. Yeah. Actually, do the listeners know about my big trip? I can't remember if that's ever been mentioned. We have mentioned that you're coming to Europe, yeah. But I don't don't think we've mentioned how many countries you're going to. Europe, Morocco, and Cuba over the next three and a half months. Yep, he starts and basically ends living with me. What could possibly go wrong? It sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, when Logan's over for Christmas, we are going to Amsterdam, and then there's a little surprise after that, for now. And there's um, there's some other ideas in the works. Mr. Williams uh, came up with a stupid idea, which I, I can't remember whether you saw or not. Uh, oh, what was it? it was... He suggested that um, we take you to Sudbury, Derbyshire. Oh, I don't want to go to Sudbury. I don't care what country that Sudbury's in. Do you not think it'd be hilariously funny to get a picture of you giving the fingers to the Sudbury sign? Actually, that would be pretty funny. And saying the trip cost (laughs) $55,000. I think it'd be hilarious. So thank you for listening to this Your Team podcast. You can join us next Sunday to recap episode 8. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Log Super Quacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and chill till the next episode. Oh, Mama. Stupid. I just forgot all the names that I used to see.